Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms, and I'm the founder of this podcast and movement known as the W2 Capitalist. Today's episode, I'm super excited to bring to you. It's with a guy I've been following for a while, Jake Thompson. He's the founder and chief encouragement officer at CompeteEveryday.com. He's a public speaker. He's got this movement going on. Um, but I really enjoy his t-shirts and we kind of get into that a little bit, uh, through the show. But the biggest thing, I I know I give you a few points usually when we, when I do this intro, but the biggest thing I want you to take away from today is Jake is message to everybody he comes in contact with is for them to realize the competition is within yourself, right? When we grow up, we're always talked about to beat the guy next to us, beat the guy across the ball, beat the guy that's in the next lane from us. Uh, and when my mindset finally flipped about two years ago, uh, it was probably a little bit longer than that, but my mindset flipped to think I'm not competing with people around me. I'm competing with myself. I just need to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday, right? And and you can apply that to all areas of your life. So we don't even really talk about real estate investing, but we talk about how to focus on yourself, improving yourself and making yourself better. So I'm really excited that I got a chance to talk to Jake and he agreed to um, come on as part two. We kind of ran out of time and didn't get and to have the things that I wanted to get into with him. Uh, so he agreed to come on as a part two, and we'll, we'll get that scheduled here pretty soon to, to wrap up this conversation. But for now, I want to introduce you to Jake Thomas. He is a Texas native uh, and is still resides there. But uh, you can find more about him at CompeteEveryday.com. We mentioned several links and several books in the, in the podcast uh, or in this episode, and I've linked to those in the show notes, so check them out. But for now, let's get to work. capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Still working on my first cup of coffee this morning. Uh, well, good because I was worried about this. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I've been following you, you for, for huh? Where are you based? I'm in uh, Gulf Breeze, Florida, and I don't know why it took me a minute to answer that either. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I figured you were East Coast when uh, when I was looking at the scheduling calendar. I'm in Central Central Time Zone. Yeah. Real okay. So you're on the the far west side of Florida. Yes, sir. We're about. Um, Probably 45 minutes uh, to the Alabama state line. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I was, I've been following you for a while. And and one of the first things I wrote down about you is you're passionate. So I was wondering if I should slam a Red Bull just to try to keep up with you this morning. So I'm glad that you're, uh, you're just now getting your first cup of coffee, man. (laughs) No, man, you'll be, uh, you'll be good this morning. We're, uh, mornings. You know, it's funny for me. My schedule's changed a few times over the years. My, um, it used to be, I would, man, this was my CrossFit time right now. Yeah. I had a group of guys for maybe five years. We all did the 6 a.m. class. Uh, five, yeah, 6 a.m. or 6.30 class. And so, you know, I was up at five all the time and then got out of CrossFit for a while. And then, uh, honestly, when I got injured, tore my Achilles, my schedule and routine changed from a time standpoint, cause it would take me so long to get ready yeah. to, get to a yeah. gym or into the workflow that I would just go during lunch and during the day sometimes. And so, uh, we got to where I was on like an 11 PM to six ish schedule. <laughs> um, and so my wife, my wife usually gets up about six forty-five too. So it kind of depends on the day uh, yeah. or what game is playing. I should say the night before. If it's a East Coast game, I have a chance. If it's a yeah. West Coast game, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a little bit later start. Now, uh, 
I know you're a Texas native, but where are you at currently? Yeah, so uh, grew up about two hours east of Dallas, but I am currently uh, in Dallas. So I'm in the okay. north suburb of DFW, um, just outside Frisco, essentially. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we've lived up here for – man, I've lived on the north side of Dallas for years, but I went to TCU over in Fort Worth right? Uh, and then – just stayed uh went to grad school in dfw and and stayed in the metroplex so i this has kind of been home for a while sure sure tcu what are they though horn frog? frogs that's yeah, right yeah, yeah okay i'm uh i just actually impressed myself i didn't look the, i knew they were they were uh is it purple and white yep purple and white yeah uh, uh, little horn frog all right, right so i gotta ask you man you've got the pretty substantial library there behind you oh yeah that is uh that is impressive. They I, haven't all been read. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. I would love I would love to say that they have. There's a, a good amount that have. Um, books are kind of those things that I buy more of than I should. Um, but I have a habit of a handful of these fiction ones I've kept. Uh, ones that I reference I keep. Um, but there's. I do now. I use, I've done it probably for the last two years. If I pick up a book and read it and I know I get like one tidbit out of it or it, yeah. I don't even finish it. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm I need to read something I enjoy. Uh, I li- <laughs> relist it back on Amazon and sell it for use like new. And yeah. so instead of taking a $14 hit on a book, you take a $4 hit on the book. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so I've been, uh, reselling uh, a chunk of them to one help clean this thing out uh, that my wife was like, gotta get rid of a bunch of this. I'm and, impressed, uh, man. I, uh, I wanted to do that. My, my office is not that big. It doesn't support. Um, of course I have this massive desk that's in here, but anyway, um, I, I want to get to that point and I bought this tiny bookshelf and I didn't even fill up one, <laughs> one, one row of it yet. Oh, I could give you a row to fill up. Uh, <laughs> Well, and the other thing too is I um I do, I would consume better with audiobooks. A lot of people. The moment I sit down to read, I start yawning. You know, I do this when I read to my son at night too. I'll pick up a book and just turn the first page. I know I'm going to yawn. It's it's weird, but uh, I have the flip flip issue, which uh, okay. with audiobooks is I'll catch them saying something which spurs a thought, and then I'll flashback and the book's been playing for a few minutes and I just have no recollection of what was played. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be thinking through that thought process. So yeah, I get it. My goal is over the next really year and a half as I do continue to build that speaking business that really and the writing that more and more of what I'm doing is just reading uh, along with speaking and writing. So yeah, I'm hoping to get to some of these books before I die. i am sure that will happen for sure so uh i first heard you on um order of man podcast with ryan yeah so then i knew i was like okay uh i'm gonna connect with this guy because he you know the brand that you have going on every actually i saw one of your shirts i'm trying to remember where i saw it but i was like that is an arrogant person to walk around with that shirt but I didn't realize it was tied back to your brand. Right. And well, was it the had, set goals, smash the goals one? No, it was the compete. Uh, oh, was, just the playing compete every day. Yeah. Well, okay. it's just compete. Okay. Yeah. Right? Our so competitor one, yeah. Which by the way, uh, if I can, my wife's been asking me for father's day presents and I think I'm going to tell her to sign me up for your shirt club. Cause you guys have a lot of awesome material and I'm a t-shirt guy. I, I just salt comfy t-shirts so I'm going to see if maybe she'll do that for me. At least get me started, you know. Uh, yeah, get it, get it rolling. We got some fun, uh, <clears throat> some fun designs and slogans coming on there. The one that we did this month was, uh, was our secret release. So we do two okay. a year that don't ever release public. Um, and then uh, the one that ships in July is that earn not given. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a few of like outwork your talent. Uh, we've got some good ones that – um, I'm excited about some of the artwork, but it's kind of my way to keep hammering home messages throughout a year yeah. to a group yeah. uh, and then obviously to the larger community. So yeah, let, let me know and, and let her know if she has any questions, shoot me a note. Okay, we'll do. 
Um, but I saw this guy with that shirt on and, and I thought, okay, well, he's arrogant. Right. And then I saw it tied back to your, your group. And I, so I want to kind of start there, by the way, yeah. how, do you, how do you take your coffee? By the way, dude, straight black, <laughs> better man than I am. I can't do it. I cannot, uh, buddy. I started, uh, so I started drinking coffee in like 2009 or okay. 10 when I was consulting, didn't drink it in college, didn't drink it in grad school. Uh, was working on a consulting project and started drinking a little bit of coffee, mainly because I was having different meetings at Starbucks and coffee shops. And yeah. uh, I ended up starting with like the Starbucks white chocolate mocha. That's like horrendous for you. Yeah. Uh, but I would start there and for your slip. calorie intake, not yeah. your taste buds, right? <laughs> start easing back, easing back. And then yeah. I got to the point where I was like, I don't even want creamer. Like, let me just drink it black. And so that is, that is my coffee. That is my goal. Um, I'm not very passionate about that goal. <laughs> <laughs> Most people aren't. Most people I know aren't. You ever uh, done Bulletproof? Uh, no, I've heard a lot about them, um, but I, I haven't done it yet. It's uh, and that's I mean, what it's somebody crazy. told me. So the, the reason probably you can't do that is because of the coffee you're drinking, you know, and I'm like, mm, nah, I, I would know. probably <laughs> argue, it, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty high caloric, uh, cause it's got a lot of fat in it, but it's really cool how the butter creates this little frothy foam on the top. Okay. I like the MCT oil. Um, cause I can't just do a shot of the MCT oil in my coffee. Um, but I'll do probably one day a week of bulletproof. Um, because I usually don't eat, I usually will intermittent fast. So I don't eat during the morning. So that's kind of the one thing I can have because of the fat is gotcha. disrupted. Um, but yeah, it gives it a flavor. It's a new flavor and it's okay. literally just the butter, the MCT oil and coffee. And honestly, I use any coffee that we have in the Keurig. So I've used Starbucks okay. to, whatever Hawaiian flavor this one is my wife got. Yeah. I'm not the coffee snob. Um, yeah. I work in trade shows, CrossFit events for compete. And so I'm used to coffee at McDonald's and Whataburger at five 30 in the morning before I yeah. just set up a tent. So like yeah. anything other than Wal uh, McDonald's and Whataburger, I'm like, like I can handle this. Like <laughs> I can drink their coffee, which I, they're not, it's actually not that bad of a coffee. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can do anything. I, I have to say I, the what I'm drinking right now is the McCafe uh, yep. kettle uh, kettle cups, K cups that yep. um, they it comes with its own pre mix of caramel macchiato. Okay, it's actually really good. I haven't looked at the caloric caloric intake, but I don't. <laughs> you know, I'm just like give me give me some juice. But um, but I I wanted to circle back around yeah. seeing this guy with his, his shirt, you know, compete one of your shirts, not knowing that and thinking about okay once i linked the two together it made sense and you start it's on your website i think is this, this video where you're not competing against other people you're competing against yourself and that's your whole message right is that you are competing against yourself and once that clicked with me i got to thinking about okay when i growing up playing sports I felt like I was competing against the other guy, right? It was either if I was defensive back, it was the wide receiver. Or if we were practicing, I was competing for the position, right? And what finally clicked for me a couple of years ago was the competition is right here, right? And, and making – so when I saw that, um, it never really – clicked like I never had the words to put it into but you put it so plainly and simply I was like okay now I'm a fan because this guy's preaching to me right so how did you come up with that how did you by the way I love your title right <laughs> officer um also the founder right but the chief encouragement officer I love it I think it says a lot about you to, to have the boldness to say hey here's my title because you don't hear that title a whole lot right you're founder you're CEO president but uh, chief encouragement officer, uh, I love it. But how did you finally connect the dots to um, to say, okay, you know, you shouldn't compete with yourself. I mean, you should compete with yourself and not everybody else. Because if I look back at the guys that were successful in high school and, and competing in sports, they didn't worry about what everybody else was doing. They worried about themselves, right? And, and all the way through college, and I'm like, they got it, 
you know, nobody ever told me this, you know, so where was Jake Thompson 20 years ago? You know, I might, my uncle Rico dream may still be coming <laughs> through, but, uh, but how did you, how did you finally put that together? I wish I'd put that together 20 years ago. At, at <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Similarly to you, you know, I was a smaller guy in sports. So the competition was my opportunity to prove that I would outwork someone and outsmart someone. Yeah. Um, I had incredibly talented guys on my teams growing up. Um, I played quarterback. I had guys that were bigger, could throw the ball farther behind me and ahead of me. So like competition was how I wanted to prove my way. And, and I got honestly a pretty unhealthy relationship with it because everything became a competition because my identity and my worth was so wrapped up in how I could win. Mm. Like, that's how I gauge my social status of, could I beat you in school? Yeah. I beat you for the hot girl that we both want to date. Could I beat you for the starting spot on the team? Like everything was competitive. And the problem with that is it gets to a point where one, it's incredibly toxic and, and draining, but two, you, you, as you get older, like you're trying to compete against people that one don't care about the competition. They don't yeah. realize they're in a competition. And so it's like, you're chasing these people that are like, what are you doing? Like, what's the big deal? Yeah. And so I had that and then went almost the completely opposite end of uh, just a struggle. Honestly, after, after college graduation, um, I had my, one of my best friends was killed the summer after high school in a car wreck. Mm. Uh, never really dealt with that. Uh, suppressed it a lot more than anything else. I jumped into the new college experience coming out of college. Uh, I went immediately into grad school and dealing with grad school, trying to get into a new profession, which was sports agency at the time, interning for this guy, uh, my girlfriend at college, uh, who was pretty serious. We broke up. Uh, so I went through this just downhill roller coaster. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, my best friend was my, my college best friend was my roommate. We both went through nasty breakups. Um, we, you know, at that point I laughed that, you know, I was borderline alcoholic, uh, but still doing grad school, still doing everything else. Cause I just wasn't dealing with this. I didn't have a competitive outlet. Um, you know, my sports that I used to play wasn't really there anymore. I had grad school, but, uh, honestly, you know, it wasn't a difficult challenge from an academic standpoint and, and my focus was on the agency life. And so all of these things mixed together of no competitive outlet, struggling just day-to-day -day, uh, functioning of trying to suppress feelings and emotions and, and not knowing what to feel when you're in your, still in your early 20s, you know, you don't. You know everything, like, right? Yeah, you, you <laughs> think you know everything and then you get in these positions and you, you're not really sure what's going on. And I, and I laughed with people. Like I left the sports agency business for a couple of reasons, but one of which I just wasn't emotionally mature enough prepared for the roller coaster of just that job of like getting to know all these guys recruiting these guys for eight to ten months and then maybe signing one but having to sit across the table and tell guys hey you're not going to the nfl like crush them yeah and yeah. for me the the that was kind of one of the breaking straws is within a 24-hour period i had a guy i had to tell that wasn't going to get drafted who i got to be really close with and then then i'd driven like seven hours overnight to have a meeting with another guy in Louisiana. And he said, Hey, I really like you. I would love to sign with you, but the, the agent you work for, I don't trust. So I'm going to go mm. over here. And so both of those, I was like, I don't want this business. Like I want to be able to build people up. And so came back to Dallas, my best friend and I can had been talking about, we need to get our lives together. And so I started getting back into competitive sports like flag footballs, uh, city league sports, softball, things like that, that I enjoyed. Um, around the same time I'd started discovering CrossFit um, and that kind of space and something clicked about, you know, picking where you compete and win because you mentioned it at the beginning, like if you're a receiver, you're trying to beat the DB and you're focused on the DB, but, in reality, the really good receivers are not focused of how can I beat you? It's like, okay, I came off the line. This is what you did to me this time. What can I do better the next time to beat yeah. you? And it just, for some reason, going through those three different things, something started to click of like, 
okay, maybe this, maybe I had this whole competitive thing wrong and started having conversations with people about competition and pursuing greatness. And, and honestly, the first iteration of the brand was, <laughs> it was called stacked, uh, which is not <laughs> the best term, but it was this idea of your, your faith, your health, your dreams, your relationships, your life being stacked in a way that you're pursuing greatness in every area. Like what can I do to pursue and develop each of these areas every day? And I kind of played with it for a little bit, but didn't know other than it was just a message and was on a ski trip with buddies and said, Hey, what do you think about compete every day? And they were like, man, that fits you. Like, yeah, you have these competitive outlets. You're trying to find a, a healthier, better way to display that message. This just fits who you are. And so I had the brand name and, and spent honestly about eight months trying to figure out how to fit, how to work it. Uh, yeah. Initially I was building it into my consulting business. Then I tried to partner with a, a pair of guys to create almost a active lifestyle portal for Dallas Fort Worth. Um, but the more I talked about the message to people, the more it resonated very differently with everybody. And so my best friend eventually suggested, man, look at t-shirts. He had just heard the story of the guys behind life is good up in yep. Boston. Yeah. how they started. He was like, Hey, why not? Um, and so, yeah, so ultimately started with a box of t-shirts and tanks and, and selling out of my car behind, honestly, behind a CrossFit gym in Dallas after classes. <laughs> Anyone I could talk to about it. Uh, I felt like I had shirts in my trunk for about two years uh, to the point that my friends started having the habit of, Hey, do you have any new stuff in your car? Can I come <laughs> And I'm like, now I'm like, man, it's been eight years. Like I got a warehouse. I can't, I'm not hauling this stuff if I don't have to. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned something there about, well, what I wrote down was separating business and personal. It goes back to that conversation you had with um, the NFL player, or NFL prospect, yeah. I should say. You got close to him on a relationship side and I've, I've, I've been accused several times by most every boss that I've ever had. Uh, and they all use the same words. I feel like they have a secret meeting about me and, and you know, they're like, Jay, you, you tend to take things personal or way too personal. And I've eased off of that. I'm starting to understand what that means. But in, in hindsight, I'm like, uh, I've had one boss actually tell me I would never tell you that because we were talking about some things and I was like, you know, let me guess you're about to tell me, I'm taking things way too personal. And he goes, no, I, I would never tell you that. Who's told you that? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, every ball, almost every boss I've ever had. But I translate that to, Hey, there's, there's an identified passion here that I don't know what to do with coach me on what to do with it. Right. And luckily I've, I've landed in an organization where I think maturity wise, I've grown up to understand what that means, but also, they know how to coach me and say, okay, look, here's where you need to focus that energy and here's how you can focus that energy. So have you ever heard that comment before? You ever been accused of oh, that yeah. before? <laughs> and, and how did that make you feel? Cause I, you know, the first time I heard, it, I was like, wow. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't know what to, t you know, I was operating, I was just a straight salaried employee, but I was operating as if, if the business was mine. Right. Yeah. So I, I finally put that, connected that together. And then I, so the next time I was told that, I was like, well, look, you don't realize the potential that's here. Don't be the lid to my career. Help me, you know, use this and kind of go, go above and beyond. And, and it was, maybe I was just connected with the wrong, I call him coach, but boss, you know, wrong boss. And, um, but I finally, landed. but how did that make you feel if you've ever heard that before? And, and what's your, what's your response to it? You know, I, I've heard it before and, and I've, I've told myself that before a few times solely because if you take pride in your work, any criticism of that or even a constructive criticism of that is a threat, um, yeah. especially, especially in the danger of when your identity is wrapped up in your performance. Um, and I think that's where we get into trouble. I think it's a big struggle. You, you see it from an athletic standpoint athletes are tied up in their identity as an athlete and they struggle when they transition out of being an athlete into being retired and a yeah. teacher or whatever. They struggle because their identity is so closely wound in that. And there's, we get into a lot of these conversations on the, the raising competitor side because parents comments to kids help reinforce messages one way or another. But 
for me, my, most of my working career has been very diverse, but I've kind of had control of a lot of it from a consulting standpoint to kind of being a contractor, uh, contract marketing person to limit, limited spent, uh, stints on the employee side, but mostly owning my own business. <laughs> Excuse me. And so when I hear that, one, you get very defensive at first. Well, well yeah, I do take this business. I personally, I take pride in my work. I want to do well. But then I had to really teach myself that it's more of an identity issue that I'm, I'm working through. And it's not that I'm taking it. They're trying to, and the people that gave me the advice, like I trusted, like mm. it wasn't a, a boss that I had any conflict with. It was a person I worked with that I understood and trusted. Uh, and so I started to see, hey, this is not a threat to my ability as a, a professional. This is not a threat to my personal of, of who I am. This is them helping me. Hey, listen, you're going to get rejected. You're going to have things not go your way. Here's some things you can do to improve on. And so once you can separate your identity from your performance, then I think it also humbles you to the fact that you can constantly be striving to learn and get better of like, hey, I don't know everything. I'm okay not knowing everything. What can you coach me on? What can you teach me on? Um, and I think it's just a, that's a huge part of our growth because if we allow our identity to get so wrapped up in that, then everything becomes a threat to it. And we don't want to take that advice and we don't want to step into a situation or, you know, something outside of our comfort zone because it threatens that thought. Um, it's just, it becomes a very scary cycle uh, yeah. for a lot of us to be in. Um, so yeah, that's usually what I see, but it, it's hard when you own something, when you create something, I mean, you've got the podcast, you don't want anybody to be critical of it, but if well, you look, I, almost, all right. Almost. I would, you want almost. constructive criticism <laughs> yeah. to help you improve it. But see, that's yeah. the difference. If, if your identity was solely tied up in the podcast success and your performance in that space, then anyone that says anything negative about it or gives you feedback that maybe you don't want to hear or like to hear uh, is a threat to that. Yeah. Whereas if you're like, Hey, I'm open. I just want to make this the best show possible to add the most value. Then you're open to that. And, and you filter out, you know, idiots that make comments yeah. online all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Like you, you have the right mindset around it. I laugh because this morning I woke up and somebody had posted on our Instagram about, we have a quote that went up yesterday from one of our podcasts that's about being in the arena, like choosing mm -hmm. the door Roosevelt, be in the arena, get your tail kicked, fight in the dirt. Like that's where life is found. It's not in the stands. And somebody commented like this life is crap. Yeah. And I just responded, well, we're probably not the page you need to be following. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, that's one thing I've learned to do is, is uh, with our uh, W2 capitalist, our, our free Facebook group, there was a guy, I don't know how he got in there. I probably invited him, you know, <laughs> but he got in there. He was like, look, I don't, I disagree with what you're saying. I don't have a W2 job. I'm just a real estate investor, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, and I just publicly posted, buddy, this is not the group for you. And, um, let me help you. Let me show you to the door. Right. And I kicked him out. Um, so, but I want to circle back to something you said there about getting that feedback. Uh, I am open to any and every feedback. Now I used not to be right. My twenties when I knew everything, <laughs> yep. uh, but now I, you know, I, I appreciate the, the criticism, the off the wall comments that have no bearing or, you know, uh, no experience because it just helps me reiterate the point I'm trying to make because I have finally learned the best person to get advice from is somebody who's in the seat that I want to be sitting in right? Or should I say position on the field that I want to be uh, fulfilling? Because if there's some, like just for this podcast example, if, if somebody's never interviewed anybody, never produced a podcast, I don't necessarily care if they like it or not, right? Now, I did have somebody tell me because there were some formatting issues I had that just sent me a message. Hey, you might want to think about turning this down because when it plays back it's so overbearing as compared so i you know worked through that and kind of got it leveled out but uh that was constructive criticism i welcome that you know but it, it's uh, it is funny I, i've definitely learned uh not to take heart to heart 
uh, advice if it's not from somebody who I want to be where they're at. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, uh, no. I mean, it's, it's spot on. I, I had a conversation with Jeff Woods of the one thing and he, Jeff's story is interesting how he started his brand and everything, but we, we had the discussion of his circle of five and his friends. Mm. And Hey everybody, so I want to take a break from the action real quick to introduce you to one of the new affiliates of the show, Everly Well. You can find out more about them at w2capitalist.com slash affiliates, and that is with an S on the end of affiliates. But Everly Well has 25 plus uh, or so home health test systems, and the way I was introduced to them was through uh, their food sensitivity test. So uh, this is not a food allergy test, but a food sensitivity test, which I understand it's the way that your gastro system processes certain foods and how it reacts to that. So for about the last five years, I've been battling acid reflux, GERD. I've got a second opinion from a general physician. I've got a third from a gastro specialist, which included an upper endoscopy, which if you've had one of those before, you know what kind of a fun process that is. But, um, and they all agreed, hey, you've got GERD, you've got acid reflux, let's subscribe you to this uh, medicine. But the medicine didn't always work. So I knew something that was was up. But through the grace of technology and Google, I was uh, stumbled upon um, Everly Well and their home health food sensitivity test. Uh, It takes them about five weeks to process the test once you get, get it back to them. But what that showed me or revealed to me that I actually have a gluten food sensitivity. And since discovering this, I've done a really good job of transforming my diet and being in gluten uh, aware. Uh, I still feel weird asking for, hey, is this a gluten-free or do you have gluten-free uh, items on your menu when we go out to eat? But what I can tell you is that after about a month of, of watching my diet and staying away from this food sensitivity that I now discovered I have through Everly Well, I'm no longer taking or need to take my acid reflux medicine. And I'm also sleeping better at night, which my wife is going to joke that, is there any way possible I could sleep better at night? But yes. And being a W2 capitalist, you want to get that full seven to eight hours of sleep at night so you can feel refreshed and ready to go to not only tackle your investment activities, but also to be great at your W2. So check them out. Check out Everly Well and all of our affiliates at w2capitalist.com slash affiliates. Now let's get back to it. He knew he had to upgrade because the people he was spending time with were not the people doing the things in life he wanted having the relationships everywhere else. And so he started working to upgrade who his mentors were and going to them for advice and questions versus his friends that couldn't relate. And that's a huge, huge piece of that. Uh, incredibly crucial piece. And on the flip side of that, if you're in that mentor managerial director position, um, I had a conversation yesterday after one of my keynotes with a client who was asking about his staff and how to manage the staff and work with it. And what happens if your staff's in the wrong space, like Mm, you love them, but they're competing in say a managerial role and they need to be in sales or their strengths are somewhere. He's like, how do you handle that? Let's dive into that because we're we're kind of going through that just a little bit right now. (laughs) Well, and and I told him, I said, the number one thing is what we've already hit on. Uh, I said, I've, I've heard it from every professional from sports coach to professional uh, managers and directors. The first thing your staff has to know that employee needs to know is that how much you care about them and their success, you know where they're trying to go in their career. Because as the football coaches have told me time and time again, if you can get to a kid's head or heart, you can get to their head. If you can get yeah. to their heart, you can get to their head. And honestly, it works the same way in the, in the employee employer space. Like if there's employees that stay at companies being paid probably less than they can make elsewhere because they love the culture, they love the people, they love the company. Like there's a passion there for it. And they know their bosses care. They know their bosses and by name that they have a vested interest. And on the boss side, it's, Hey, finding out like, where do you want to be in four to five years? Let me help you get there. If you're in a managerial spot and you're better at sales, let's talk about that transition because most people fumble that transition because they just say, Hey, we're reassigning you to this new position over here. We think you'd do better. And there's no background. Hey, this is why we think you do better. There's no, listen, we know what your ultimate goals are in your career. We think this better puts you in a position to get there. There's none of that. It's just, Hey, we're moving you for the better part of the company. You still have a job. 
Right. Like, right. oh, be grateful to us for it. And so yeah. <laughs> that's where you get that big disconnect and you, you can really damage the relationship uh, of it. And so it's really about getting to them. It's the same in a feedback situation, coaching situation. You're not going to go to a coach or a mentor that doesn't care about you, have any interest in, in your success. The best mentors um, do. And so that's why we talk at compete. We talk about the fifth trait of a competitor being grooming others. Like what are you doing to help create more leaders and having that vested interest in people. And so that's um, a huge piece of it that I just think is, is overlooked more often than not of getting them into that. And, And on the flip side, the argument you always get back of, well, if I care about this employee and I invest all this time and energy into the employee and what if they leave me? Well, we all have those bosses and those companies we've left that we still look high, look back highly on for the impact they had on us. And a lot right. of times those paths start reconnecting down the road, whether we refer someone to your company, whether whatever. Yeah. But the reverse side of that is that you don't train them, you don't care about their future, you don't invest them, and they stay and your company yeah. starts to suck. Yeah, it's like having a bunch of it's like having a basketball program where your juniors and seniors are studs. Your freshman and sophomore could be studs, but the juniors and seniors are like we're not helping you. We don't want you to take our spot. Like we don't care about the team. We just yeah. care about us. And then they graduate and leave or retire, and then all of a sudden these freshmen and sophomores have to step into it. They don't know what the heck they're doing because nobody's been there to help them. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you said you had a keynote yesterday. Where was your keynote? Where or what? Both. Oh, so it was in DFW, so it was local. Okay. Uh, with uh, some franchise owners uh, and really their managers and directors. Um, it was honestly the my main keynote. I've got a couple. Um, it actually spurred yesterday's conversation. It spurred a new one that I, I want to create. But it's on the five traits of a competitor. And so we go through what makes a successful competitor. In other words, what makes a successful leader in life yeah. is often than not uh, what we're using the word competitor to, to, to mean. But it's about building grit, growth mindset, gratitude. Um, how do you forge your own greatness? It's not something you're born with. How do you build right. it? Yeah. Uh, and then grooming others. And so we kind of walk through each um, talking about the importance of it, but how do you build it? Like, it's great to talk about, you know, how do I have grit? You know, we need you to be grittier. We need you to, you know, overcome these failures. And a lot of people are like, well, that's awesome. How do I do that? Like, yeah. go be a better leader how how yeah so what we want to do is is equip those people with some ways to say when somebody's like hey be a better leader i need you to step up you specifically know here's five areas that make for a great leader i can step up in one of if not all five of these yeah the uh i I can totally relate to a video you have on your site um where you're talking about the sprinter who's running and she's beating everybody right and she'll turn back around and look and then all of a sudden she falls down and she loses the race ultimately because um my son who's four will be in the pool swimming and he'll want to (laughs) race and so we get you know one side and and we'll uh we'll push off and i'll let him you know go and then he'll start turning around looking where i'm at you know and seeing what's going on and and when he does that he just stops swimming and i totally related to that. I was like, so what, what you're saying, Jake, is when we turn around and we look at our comp- our external competition, uh, is that we're immature, right. In our, in the way we look at competition and we got to focus on. So if he was not focused on me, but if he was focused on, okay, my last time that I swam, this took me five minutes, right. Let me focus on making that better and not worry about, what's behind me, you know, and I, I totally relate to that. I was like, I don't know how I can get into my son's head just yet, but, uh, and I know you, you hate the idea of a participation trophy society. So. Well, but I also, I also heavily push the idea of, especially at young ages, lessons using as a yes. lesson. Yes. And so not necessarily, you know, giving out trophies all the time, but the idea of like, Hey, like, what if let's time you, yeah. This time, don't look back for me and go faster, and then we can show you. Like, there's, there's all that, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an immature view of competition when you're constantly stressed about everyone else. Because, like you talked about, we talk about a sprinter. You can't run fat your fastest if you're looking every which direction. Yeah, and that doesn't apply to other people only. But a lot of times, 
when we have a setback or a failure, we get fired from a job because of something we messed up on or we didn't mess up on. It just happened. We mess up somewhere in a relationship or, or part of our life. We tend to constantly look back over our shoulders at yeah. it. Like we can't let that go. Instead of just saying, what can I learn from this experience and how can I focus on my finish line to keep running? So it's the same thing. You may be looking left and right at other people to see where they are, or you could be looking behind you over your shoulder. at something that happened two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. Either one of those are going to slow you down from ultimately achieving more success in your career, relationships, and life. Yeah. So it's the time to be selfish, right? And, and, and selfish has a negative connotation, I think, to it. But I, I tell, um, I, I almost said team, I'm trying to say unit more because we're trying to, you know, when you're growing up in sports, I'm assuming that the defense did not really yeah. care for the offense. Offense yeah, didn't care for the defense. Those, yeah. Nobody was ever pulling their weight, right? So, um, and, and the organization I'm in now, it sells and supports our offense and our defense. And, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, guys, we're now the sales department, we're a unit we're all part of the same team, right? Because we teams used a lot in corporate America and saying, okay, yeah. now my team, my team, like, no, my unit, we're all one team. So I'm trying to emphasize that. But um, I completely forgot where I was going with that point. It's okay. We were talking about uh, focusing on yourself. Your oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you. <laughs> um, one of, but one of the things I try to have impressed upon them is, look, there's a time to be selfish and you need to focus on you. Uh, here's how you're going to be measured going forward. Let's figure out how you're going to be successful. Right. And a lot of times when I deliver that message, it's been, but what about, and they're talking about some other person, some other department. I'm like, what about that? How does that affect you? And I said, so help, cause help me connect the dots. Right. Cause the culture is a little different than what I'm used to. And so I'm not coming in thinking that I have all the answers. Maybe I'm showing a little bit of wisdom there. I don't know. <laughs> hey, but it, first sign is admitting you don't know it all. And that's what I try to tell them. Look, guys, I don't, I'm new here. I don't have all the answers. Help me understand. Uh, but ultimately, out of those conversations, it usually comes back to them fully trying, not fully understanding, but I can see the light bulb turning up just a little bit, right? And saying, oh, okay, now I kind of get it. It's one of those things that's going to, drift back and I'm going to have to correct them. And so I totally understand that, but, um, I want to skip to, we're running up on time. I know, uh, I want to skip to a couple of things you, you talk about, uh, on goal setting. Let me, right? let me preface the one thing you said on selfish that I okay. want you to, to hammer home. And, and for anyone listening, <laughs> it's not the idea of being selfish as you were hammered as a kid of share yes. your toys, share your toys. That's ingrained in us. It's the idea of doing your best and showing up as your best. One, because it puts you closer to who you actually can be. But it's, it's wrong of you not to show up as your best for your teammates and your culture. Because Absolutely. you're cutting them short on what you could be doing and how much better you could be performing, which hurts the overall team, which hurts you as well. So it's selfish. I, I agree. Sometimes that word comes off because of everything we've been told. Correct. Uh, it's the idea of doing your best and showing up as your best in that moment so that your team benefits the most from who you are, just as they're showing up their best to help benefit you. And this is why you are a uh, coach and a keynote speaker because of how, how much more elegant you just put that than I do. <laughs> so. I have a lot of reps talking about this topic. So I have a lot of reps to, to yeah. be able to work that out. Okay. So let's talk, let's talk goals. Yeah. So one of the things that you, you, I think it was you is how you asked the question, how do you stay motivated once you hit your goals? Right. Because, and I think of, so we're here, we're talking in the morning last night, the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup first time in franchise history. I don't know if you're a hockey guy. I usually am in the playoffs because they start really playing, you know. I knocked out my stars, so I, you know, <laughs> I have a better sports history with St. Louis. As okay. Stars and Rangers. <laughs> but, um, you know, so what do you think, you know, those guys are going to wake up sometime today and think, holy crap, I'm Stanley Cup champions. I've, I didn't think this would ever happen, especially at St. Louis because they've never won one. Where do you think they go from, from there, right? As far as, 
because I was, uh, had a mentor or mentee call this morning, um, where a guy's, he was talking about, look, we're finally starting to hit our goals, um, on some things we've been trying to do for 18 months now. And we're kind of looking back and saying, okay, we're going to take a break for a minute. Right. And I know you're big on rest days too. Right. So how do you think just using the Stanley cup and the St. Louis blues, uh, if you can, I don't know if it's painful. No, that to, to no, no, painful no, no. let's do it. So there's there's three types of, of ways players will wake up today. The first two lack gratitude. Um, and, I, and I say that because gratitude is one of those things that you can be incredibly successful and not have, but you'll be miserable. And so you'll have the one player that wakes up with the trophy, having won the Stanley Cup, worked his entire career for it. And he's going to ask, is that it? Mm. I like, was that guy. And, is that it? Like I was, I was so focused on that outcome. And I, and I was too, like so focused on the outcome that once you reach it, you realize it's not just about the outcome. Yeah. One of the other guys without gratitude is going to wake up. And honestly, even though he was on a team is going to be pretty lonely because everyone on his team was not people he bonded with people. He wanted to support. They were essentially pawns to help him reach his goal of his Stanley cup. And so yeah. he's going to enjoy having a championship, but he's going to be very isolated. Those are miserable ways to succeed. And we see it every day in corporate America in sports and entertainment. Like it's there. The third guy's going to wake up with gratitude because of the process and the progress. And so the hardest time to be motivated is after you've achieved a goal, simply put, especially when you're so focused on the outcome versus the process. And, and there's a time and a place games, you have to be outcome focused but the journey is a process. Like, what can I do building my day-to-day habits to achieve these goals along the way, building in that lifestyle of who you are? Um, it's essentially the idea of, I know I want to keynote an arena at some point. Like, that is on my goal, and I know steps I have to do to get there, they're check marks. But if I'm only focused on keynoting an arena, as soon as I leave that stage, I'm going to be like, was that it? Yeah. Instead of that- saying, this is part of the process of helping others. Like this is just the next step. So the easiest way for people, I say that the rest and resets a big one. If it's been a long road to achieve the goal, it's okay to have, Hey team, we're going to take Friday off today, or we're going to go to top golf. We're going to go do something, get out of the office, get away from work. Like we've worked for six months. We landed this deal or we closed this deal. It's great. Next step. But then it's Monday, it's how can we reset? Um, That's the thing that makes Dynasty so important in sports is the ability to go championships multiple years. That's the most fascinating thing. And and there's a book, one of the books on the shelf that we talked about (laughs) called The Captain Class. And it's it's a study of the best dynasties in sports and what makes them so special. And all of them come down to the 17 in this tier one come down to who their leader was who the leader on the field. And it wasn't necessarily the most talented guy. It was the person that everyone was drawn to um, that led with passion, communicated, like that's what made them. I think of on all the teams, I think 17, two of them would be considered the greatest ever at their position. Um, so that being said, it comes down to who your leadership is in the organization. It's up to the leader at that point to say, okay, we did it. We made this goal. What can we do next? And giving everyone a new milestone, a new marker to help raise that bar um, and continue going and growing. And so that's a huge piece because like when we, we run a marathon, we train for eight, six months, we'll say run the marathon. And then we don't run again for two years. We, you know, our weight balloons, we eat junk food again, (laughs) everything because we are so focused on that marathon instead of saying, Hey, I want to be a runner. I'm going to train for this marathon, but as soon as I finish that, what's the next thing I'm going to do? So having that rest reset and then a focus on what is next helps keep people motivated and then just not getting tied up too much in the actual outcome, unless it's race day, game day, presentation day, Uh, focus on the process because it's the process that reinforces who you are. Yeah. Uh, The quote that comes to mind is, um, I I think it was Robert Kiyosaki who said this, uh, he, he had some haters talk about, you don't even know how to write, but yet you're a best-selling author. And he was like, well, my goal was to be a best-selling author. It was not to be a great writer. 
yeah. there's a difference. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a light bulb moment for me, right? It's to, to be very specific in your goals and, and know that. So um, one thing I want to circle back to, you, you're talking about um, your circle earlier. How yeah. often do you improve your circle? Because what, I'm kind of going through this process where I've been challenging, encouraging people to do that. And then I'll look at my circle and think, okay, I haven't done that in a while. Uh, maybe I'm not challenging myself enough. Right. And, and at what point in time do you like I, the easy transformation for me was, okay. And this is probably going to hurt for some people to hear, but um, the people that I grew up with are people that I'm going to have connections with all the time. Right. There's going to be times where uh, we're going to connect, but what I've started doing very intentionally in the last year and a half or so is being very back to the word selfish, selfish with my time. And that if I know this conversation is probably only going to take 20 minutes, but is that 20 minutes I should be used talking with them, making jokes, having no improvement value over our financial situation. And this is, I should have prefaced that a little bit better. <laughs> it's going to like, call them greedy, call me greedy, but it's, I, I get it. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm taking that and say, look, I don't hate you. I don't dislike you. It's just, I feel like I've grown. I'm not having this conversation with them. I don't feel like I've outgrown you, but in some sense I have, right. Is, is that I'm not outgrown. I'm going in a different direction. Right. And you as my friend, you should accept that and, and, and not um, be upset. Um, also I'm not upset with you not tagging along as much as I say, look, man, we're building amazing wealth because of what we've been doing with real estate investing. You should really jump into this. Let me teach you. Let me show you. And they're like, ah, it's not for me. It's not for me. It's like, okay, it is for me because of what I've seen it can do. Right. And, um, that has been some of the hardest things that, uh, that I've had to do over the last year, but I'm finally starting to see that my circle is improving. Conversations are improving. Hell, I don't think you and I would be having this conversation if I wouldn't have done that, you know, years ago. And, and but my, my question is, how often do you kind of self-reflect and say, look, I need to improve my circle, you know, quietly move some of those people who are, are closer out and try to get some more, more folks in. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My wife and I chatted about that recently of, of like certain couples that we look at from a relational marriage standpoint that we respect, we feel they have a, a great relationship. We need to spend more time with, like there's just certain couples that are kind of on the outside of our lives. We see once or twice a year socially um, yeah. that I'm like, we really need to invest more time in. And, and it's honestly the same way. Like I think life is seasons and yep. you know, your seasons in your early and mid twenties, some of that circle um, it's going to grow and change when you hit 30 and, and that group is going to grow and change. I, I look at my circle when I was heavily active in my CrossFit gym was very different. Um, those people, you know, a lot of those people in relationships, I still keep. Um, but you, I don't have those awkward and I say awkward moments where I'm like, we're out like you. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I've done and I, and I picked this up from Jeff Woods is I just kind of let them fade out. Like, Hey, you know, we still hang out, but instead of, you know, me seeing you every weekend or every two weeks, we'll get a beer once a month or once every yeah. six weeks. Um, which I'm completely okay with. And, and so I've tried to be very selective on that time standpoint. It's similar to yourself. You know, you have a family. We don't even have kids yet, but the wife, uh, me building more of the speaking career, running the business. Uh, and then we don't have a ton of outside time. And so I want to be incredibly selective with that outside time to make sure that it's invested in people that are growing as well. And the ones that I know that aren't, I still see, um, and I'll still catch them at the gym or I, we may hang out at an event once every month or two months, maybe. Um, but I'm not spending all the time with them. And some yeah. of those relationships are, are folks that I'm just like, Hey, I'm going to go catch a movie. Do you want to go easy way for us to hang out, but we're not having depth filled conversations. And so that type of activity, it's a way for me to still keep contact because I still care about the person. We're still friends. Yeah. But yeah. If I'm going to go grab coffee, like I have a, a standing monthly thing on my, actually I have a weekly coffee. I get with one guy that we just stay on each other for the work. I have another buddy who's an online nutrition coach and we get coffee once a month. Yeah. 
those are the type of relationships that I'm intentionally setting out time to say, Hey, every month we need to sit down and go get coffee, stay in the loop. How can we help each other? How can we mentor and work with each other? And so, um, you know, I constantly am evaluating it. Um, especially if I notice myself slipping in a certain area, um, been in masterminds before they're incredibly beneficial um i chose not this year to do any masterminds any conferences unless i was speaking at it because right. i was focused there uh but yeah i think it's a constant evaluation of um who who do i need to just touch points with throughout the year um and then who do i need to be really investing more and more time with and then if i hey i'm slipping in my health I need to be spending more time with people that are more health conscious, active driven. If I notice I'm struggling in this area of my business, who can I really start spending more time with? And usually when I look up and see why I've been struggling, I can look on my calendar and see that I haven't. <laughs> yeah. Either. So there's a direct correlation of, of who we're spending time around and, and how it influences us, whether we realize it or not. It is. It's, it's a huge, huge thing that I finally realized and, and finally took action, right? Finally got up the courage to say, okay, I'm not going to answer that phone call because I know it's going to be 30 minutes of, you know, punching each other in the side with some yeah. kind of joke or comment about something that happened a decade ago, <laughs> you know, and, and folk and continue to focus on what I'm doing right now. Uh, Jake, I've, I've loved talking to you this morning and for the, I mean, nobody can see this, but my son came in and was interrupting. He opened the door. I figured he, he was going to make a cameo. He kept, he's, he's sometimes he's camera shy, especially uh, <laughs> if he just got up and, uh, it was a little embarrassing too. Cause I think he had on Christmas pajamas you know, <laughs> here it is in June. It's but, okay. Uh, my wife had her Christmas tree up until like April. So don't worry. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me she had her Christmas jumpers on. <laughs> no, she would if she could. She is, uh, she's like Clark Roosevelt. She loves Christmas. That's, I, who doesn't, right? Well, there's probably some folks that doesn't. But, uh, there's a few I, Scrooges I, out there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, so I want to give you an opportunity for people to find out more about you. I'm going to do an intro. I wanted to make the most of our time, so I'm going to yeah. do an intro after. Okay. Uh, probably tonight or tomorrow uh, when I finally get some time. But I want to give you a spot to tell people more where to find out more about you. I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. The t-shirt line we've talked about, you've got the too podcast, much. which I'm now subscribed too much. <laughs> uh, you, me and you both brother. Uh, but you got the podcast, which I'm now a subscriber to. Um, you've got the t-shirt line, you've got the Facebook stuff going on. So what's the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah. So best way I'm going to say is go to compete Uh, you'll notice, like you talked about, there's a lot, there's, um, apparel, uh, our podcast, you can learn about my keynote speaking and workshops. Um, our small group coaching program kicks off in the summer. So that is a little bit on there. We call it the arena uh, for actually getting into it. Um, but really, there's a tab at the very top on the menu. If you're on your phone, it'll be on the menu. If you're on your website, it'll say start here. And yep. that's the best page is if you just go to competeeveryday.com, click start here. Uh, there's the video that you talked about. There's all the ways to get connected with the podcast, with um, the Facebook group that we have, it's a free Facebook group that we just have a few thousand competitors in there that are pushing each other, encouraging each other to be better leaders. Um, and then my links are on there as well. So you can get connected with me. Um, but then if on social, it's easy to find, just compete every day. Nice. And I'll make uh, links to all that in the show notes as, uh, as it gets published. And I'll, I'll let you know for sure when it comes Thanks. out. So Appreciate it. Man, I've, I've enjoyed it. I've been looking forward to this this morning, and I, I hate that we have to cut it short, but I do. My schedule got rearranged yesterday okay. or earlier this week, so I've got to get get off. We'll, we'll I, call I this just, part one. We'll do yeah, part two in the right. future. I'll, I'll take you up on that. I'll, we'll, we'll do that for sure. But um, I will like to say I dressed up for you too, okay? So. I saw that. I'm, I, I'm throw a shirt on. I was like, man, roll out of bed, grab some coffee, let's roll. That's, that's what I normally do, but I, I knew – uh, I wanted to make the most of our time and I had about 20 minutes between my mentor call this morning and this, I was like, I'm, I'm getting dressed so <laughs> I can talk to him. I don't have to cut it off so short and then I can get out the door to, to, to work. So, well, which is where I got to go. Fun, man. So. This has been fun. I appreciate the chance to come on. And, and like I said, if you want to do a round two at some point, we'll knock it out. Uh, I'll reach out very soon to you do bet. that. Thanks Jake. Have a great day, you buddy. Bet. You too, See man. You. Bye.